This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today we continue our look at the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the love between the Father and the Son. When we live in God, we are living in the Holy Spirit. Father Godfrey Diekman was a monk from St. John's in Collegeville. He died just about a week ago. One of the great liturgical leaders of the 20th century played an important role at Vatican II. For years and years, he talked about deification, that we share in the divine life. We become a member of the body of Christ. Well, what he was talking about was the Holy Spirit, that we live in God, sharing his own life. Next week is Pentecost, the great feast of the Spirit. The Church is teasing us with readings in the weeks leading up to Pentecost, so we might be ready for the Holy Spirit. What we hear in the Gospel for today is part of that high priestly prayer that Jesus prays the night before he dies. You'll find it in John's Gospel. What we overhear is something wonderful. We overhear a conversation between the Father and the Son, and what they're talking about is eternal life. They're talking about our participation in their life. Here's the great thing. Their conversation is the Holy Spirit. They're not talking about the Holy Spirit. Their shared speech is the Holy Spirit. Eternal life is getting into that conversation. That's wonderful, isn't it? I once heard a definition of prayer. To pray is to listen as the Father and the Son talk about you. In other words, it's to be in the Spirit and to listen to the conversation of the Father and the Son. Well, last week I promised you to be more concrete and specific. As we live in the Spirit, Paul says we're given charismata or gifts. What are they? What do they look like? How do we live them? Well, I mentioned that Paul says there are about 20 different charismata, 20 different gifts. One of the best places to look is the letter to the Ephesians, which, by the way, is such a great letter in so many ways. I'd recommend you spend some time during this season reading the letter to the Ephesians. It's so rich. But there Paul says this, here are five basic ways that we participate in the Holy Spirit. By becoming apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five spirit vocations. Five spirit paths. You know, let me say a quick word before I get into describing each one. There is, I think, today a kind of false egalitarianism that says... Things just aren't just or right or fair unless everybody has equal access to everything. 
Well, that might be true in a political sense, but it's clearly not true in a biblical and spiritual sense. The Bible, I think, is clear that certain people receive certain charisms. Why? It's God's business. It's for God's purposes. That everyone is prophet, everyone's teacher, everyone's evangelist. No, no, you're given a particular gift for a particular mission. So, first of all, Paul says, to be an apostle is a gift of the Spirit. Well, of course, we know about the 12 apostles. These people that Jesus gathered around himself, those who knew him personally, who witnessed the resurrection, who then became founders of churches. Those are apostles in the richest and fullest sense. But we also believe in the Catholic Church that there are successors to the apostles. Bishops of local churches are successors to them because they too are presiding over churches. They have the apostolic charism. It just means, by the way, someone who's been sent, been sent by Christ to preside over a church. But I would also broaden the idea out a bit. I think an apostle throughout the history of the church is anyone who has gone out in a missionary spirit and established a church. Think of Francis Xavier back in the 16th century, the great Jesuit, who traveled to the Far East to evangelize, to baptize, and yes, to found and establish churches. Think of Francis Xavier Cabrini, Mother Cabrini in our country, who did the same thing, crossed the ocean over 30 times, back and forth between Europe and this continent, establishing, founding. John Paul II in his own way, of course, he's the great successor of Peter the Apostle as Bishop of Rome. He's also a world traveler presiding over the churches. I just finished Willa Cather's great novel, Death Comes for the Archbishop. I recommend you read it. It's a terrific book. It's based on a real-life figure, Archbishop Lamy, who was a French missionary who went to the American Southwest during the rough-and-tumble times of the early 19th century, and there established churches. Those are apostles, apostles, the apostolic charism. The next one Paul talks about is prophet. To be a prophet is to have a charismatic gift. Who's a prophet? Anyone who uses the word of God in a powerful, transformative, and revolutionary way. Notice, please, not someone who uses his own words, her own ideas, not someone who is playing out her own agenda, but a prophet is someone who uses the Word of God to uproot, to transform, to revolutionize. A truth-teller, a proclaimer. What's one thing most of the Old Testament prophets have in common? They were disliked. Think of Jeremiah thrown down into the cistern. Prophets tell the truth in a sometimes disquieting way. That's their charism. Who are some more contemporary prophets? Well, it's become almost a cliche to say it, but it remains true. Martin Luther King was a prophet. He revolutionized our country. How? With the word of God. That's the powerful thing, I think, about King, is he didn't use simply secular principles, political ideas. 
he used precisely the Word of God. He was a preacher. He was trained as a preacher of the Scripture. That's what he used. Was he unpopular? Of course he was unpopular, like most prophets. But he stirred up the country and changed it. John Paul II, in Poland, back in the early 80s, was clearly in the grip of the prophetic charism, preaching the Word of God in a way that transformed that society. Dorothy Day, in our country, clearly was a prophet. Now you might say, well, that's great. I guess there are a handful of these great heroes who are prophets. You can be a prophet in your family. A lot of families need prophets. People who can speak the Word of God clearly, articulately, and in a way that changes things. It doesn't mean you've got to be changing nations. You might be changing your family. You might be changing your place of work. You might be changing your school. But whenever you feel that you can use the Word of God and speak it, you have the prophetic charism. What's the next one Paul talks about? He talks about evangelists. As the word itself suggests, an evangelist is someone who preaches the good news, the euangelion, the happy message, the God spell, the gospel. An evangelist preaches Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the dead. What's his purpose? To bring this saving good news to the world. If the prophet's job is to kind of revolutionize and change the world, the evangelist's job, I think, is to save, is to announce the word of salvation. The evangelist can appeal to the emotions. He can appeal to the mind. But you know, I think what he appeals to first and foremost is the will. An evangelist wants people to make a decision to be grafted on to Christ, to come to Christ, to come to his church. The evangelist tends to go out. Think of Paul here. Paul was a great evangelist, traveling around the eastern Mediterranean, going out to meet the world and to bring the good news. He's like the good shepherd, an evangelist, who goes out to the 99. I'm sorry, goes out to the one, leaving the 99 behind. Billy Graham on the Protestant side, Fulton J. Sheen on the Catholic side were probably the two greatest evangelists of the last century. Now, again, you might be thinking, well, that's fine for Billy Graham. That's fine for Fulton J. Sheen. It's fine for St. Paul, but I can't be an evangelist. False. False. You might have the charism of evangelization, but you might be carrying it out in your own family among your own circle of friends, at your place of work. Can you think of four or five people that need to hear the word, that need to hear the saving word of Christ, that need to come back to the church, and you can do something about it? That might be, listen, that might be the evangelical charism blossoming within you. So don't think of evangelization simply as Billy Graham in front of 75,000. It could be you in front of a few members of your family, a few of your friends. What's the next office Paul talks about? The next task? Pastor. Pastor. A word that means very simply shepherd. 
Jesus, of course, is the pastor bonus. He's the good shepherd. The shepherd is a, someone who orders the church. One way to look at it, a pastor is an orderer of charisms. We've all got them, but someone has to order them, arrange them, direct them. Look, you have the gift of teaching. Use it. You have the gift of evangelization. You have the gift of prophecy. Now, you go here. You go there. You work with him. You work with her. That's the pastor. That's the shepherd. So, the pastor of a parish obviously has that charism. A bishop in a diocese has that charism. But again, not just ordained types. You're the father of family. What is your most important task? Ordering the charisms of those around you. As you look at your kids, your most important task is not educating them. That's part of it. It's not making them successful. That can be part of it. But your most important task is discerning what charisms they have and making sure that they exercise them. In that capacity, you are a pastor. You're a shepherd. Anyone who's a youth counselor, Sunday school teacher, catechist, leader of prayer, financial advisor in a parish, parish council member, you are exercising the charism of pastoring, shepherding the church. Just a last thought about this one. I won't be able to get the teacher this week. The Pope has said the family is an ecclesiola. It's a little church. Little churches need pastors, mothers, fathers, grandparents, uncles, aunts. Families, little churches need pastors. When you fulfill that role, you are operating out of this charism, gift of the Spirit. Everybody listening to me right now, if you're baptized, you got a gift. Trust me, it's just the biblical truth. You have a gift. You have a charism. The most important thing you do in the course of your life is to find it. And once you find it, use it. Pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle. One of those could be yours. Pray for it. Seek it. Use it. And God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.